Hi, I'm Andrew Tobias. And I'm Stephen Goldmeyer. The internet's a weird place. We're going to show you. Hold on to your butt. Hey, hey. It's Stephen Goldmeyer. Across from the table is Andrew Tobias. He's reading an article about one of the things we're going to talk about today. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> and that's the second thing we're going to talk about. First, we're going to talk about the Rolling Stone magazine cover uh, that came out this week featuring what looks like a glamour shot of a terrorist. Uh, and Alleged terrorist. Alleged. Okay, alleged terrorist. And also some other photos that were released by somebody who had a beef with that photo being on the cover of Rolling Stone and what that beef was and why there shouldn't be any beef because it doesn't make any sense to care about this. And then in our second segment, it's going to be a little bit of internet throwback. We're going to talk about uh, something uh, old and interesting Six on the internet. Six years old. Yes. Seven years old. Uh, which is like... 70 billion or 60 billion years old yeah in, in internet, internet years time. yeah <laughs> a lonely girl 15 the first uh pseudo reality uh youtube series uh 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 it wasn't the first alternate reality game type series but it was one of the most important and we're going to talk about what happened with it and it was uh bigger than you remember it being because it continued for years afterward for about four years afterward <laughs> So yeah, those are our two things we're talking about today. And then obviously uh, some follow-ups on some stories from previous and then our links of the week. A lot's happened, guys. It's so exciting. Stay tuned. And we're back. That's it. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying it now. All right. <laughs> no more no more agonizing about whether or not and we're back is, is an appropriate catchphrase or not. I, and I even found myself trying to listen to other podcasts to see what they do. And a lot of the times they just um, have like a, a sound clip that they'll start with or something like that and just react to it as opposed to just coming out of like a total cut o- cold open, you know. Right. So. There are, there are options. Right. No, uh, the world turns. It's probably not a good idea to discuss the things we're not doing that would make us a better podcast. Okay. Well, disregard all this stuff. On our podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're doing... Um, there's no reason why you shouldn't listen to us. <laughs> not <perfect>. one. <laughs> so, so our first topic right. today. Uh, the, uh, Rolling Stone magazine came out with a cover story this week about the alleged Boston bombing suspect, whose name is... Jokar Zardnev? As far as I can tell, it's very, very close to Jokar Tsarnaev. Okay, I got it right. Tsarnaev, possibly. But it's, uh, you know, we... Um, we're doing our best. That's a lot of letters jammed together so close for me to remember them. It's, I don't know. It's too culturally different for me to yes, remember them. that's it. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the Rolling Stone magazine uh, put this guy, a photo of this guy on the cover, and it was a photo that this guy had taken of himself, uh, and I think we've all we've all taken selfies. We're all guilty uh, of, of taking a selfie here and there, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, this particular selfie was, a, I guess, a pretty sort of glamorous, normal-looking uh, picture of this guy, uh, and and then Rolling Stone had a story about how this normal kid who was taking selfies and was like a popular kid had turned into an alleged suspected terrorist bomber. Right. And people had a problem with uh, the photo on the cover of the magazine. They did. So, Andrew, talk, talk me through why people had a problem. My, my first instinct is uh, because I have no I have no understanding of it. I mean, I, you know, I can I can guess it as to why people are upset, but not even a little bit of upsetness has lodged itself in my brain. Yeah. Well, so. it's um, 
So, so Rolling Stone is, you know, at least purport to be a news magazine, and uh, how much that actually is true, I mean, I, you know, wouldn't, couldn't tell you, because I like I read it or anything like that. <laughs> wouldn't, but, wouldn't deign to, right. don't want to disparage anybody. But occasionally they do, and they, they do write about news stories, but I think people primarily view them as a magazine, like a, a cultural magazine that writes about rock stars and movie stars and stuff like that. So if right. you take, you know, Michael Jackson or wh- whoever the kids will like these days, I don't really know anymore. Chris Brown? Right, yeah, sure, why not? Chris, pretty weird Maybe a territory. bad example, but, <laughs> right, well, just some random anyway, celebrity who, who may or may not be, you know... Uh, maybe more innocuous than Chris Brown. Maybe yeah. somebody more like Kanye West. Yeah. Um, and then maybe next month after that, you have Jokar Zarnayev. Yeah. On, uh, and so it's like, you know, they think they're giving them the movie star treatment. So that's that's kind of the concern I think that people have on a visceral level. Um, right. And then further... The, the movie star treatment to uh, what is at bottom a violent person, someone who engaged in an act of crime or yeah. terror. And it or wasn't violence. just an act of crime that like right. he, you know, knocked off some prostitutes right. or something this, like that. <laughs> which <laughs> I I think I just have to exercise my my position to stand up for the prostitutes as right. being <laughs> Well and, and I'm and I'm speaking uh, for the beings. masses here. I'm not speaking for myself, I so understand. to speak. Yeah, so. we're still in the masses portion of the He discussion. didn't kill unpopular people, right? He killed um uh innocent innocent people, yeah. quote unquote. So uh, and in this case, it was in a high-profile way, and he, he did something that we designate as terrorism, which we also kind of designate as an attack on our way of life, or sure. just some kind of uh, institution, or just something that's intangible like that, why right. we hate terrorists so much. Right. Um, it's not just killing people. It's actually trying to kill America. Right. Or whatever. Or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I think you're right. I think you're right. The, those those things uh, contrasted with what people see as a glamorous uh, portrayal of this guy on the cover of the and, magazine. And people always get concerned, I think, about glamorizing violent behavior too much. And, and we as a, you know, as a country sort of have a history of getting really interested in serial killers yeah. and the mafia and other stuff like that, where... Um, Instead of just saying, oh, they're bad people and we should just treat them as bad people, we sort of, you know, we sort of see them as being cool in some way. Like, sure. you know, Ted Bundy was, um, it's a celebrity, you know, you know who Ted Bundy is. I know who Ted Bundy is. Yeah, he was unmarried with children. No, that's Al Bundy, Stephen. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know, so people kind of probably reacted similarly back then whenever he was being written about sure. and stuff like that. But this is, you know, but just the latest example. Maybe more fundamentally, you know, there's definitely a, a, uh, an undercurrent in a lot of cinema and books and video games of, you know, the anti-hero, the bad guy who's doing things for, you know, that are actually like helping society, you know, but also just the bad guy who's good at being a bad guy. We've always glamorized sort of mobster movies and mafia movies and stuff like that. So And even Dexter. Yeah. Yeah, Dexter's a great example. Yeah, so it's all it's built into the culture, and yeah. so yeah, I think people this sort of hit close to that nerve that that's something that we're doing here. But on the other hand, I don't agree at all, and I don't think you agree really at all either. I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of nuts that people are getting upset about this. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that the that we do yeah. as in the media, and it's the kind of thing that people want to hear about. It's yeah. an important story, and I think that the c- concern that people have with. Um, you know, the homegrown terrorists that people is just the latest sort of, you know, yeah. boogeyman out there. Um, you know, where do where do these radicalized, radicalized Islamic terrorists come from? You know, and so if even this kid can become a killer, this, you know, feathered bangs uh, kind of doe eyed wrestling popular kid then you know who's next right and but so the other aspect to this is that i think people might not really understand what the role of of rolling stone is in the world right so i i used to read a lot more rolling stone i used to read a lot more magazines 
about music in general. And I think everybody kind of thinks of Rolling Stone as being like a music magazine. And Rolling Stone always, not always, but usually has a big, fat, meaty, boring, like, news story in each issue. And sometimes it's about this politician who's turned against his party to do whatever. And I would skip those stories every single time. And this one is just another example of one of those stories that I would probably skip if I were buying the music magazine. So if you think of what Rolling Stone does, this is the kind of story Rolling Stone does. This is a very normal Rolling Stone cover story. And people think that, you know, they're just, instead of showing a... a, a a famous musician, a rock star on the cover. Instead, they're showing a terrorist. No, they're just illustrating another one of their stories. Like they sometimes have photos of like John McCain on the cover. Right. They're not. They're not turning John but McCain into a rock John, star. John McCain doesn't <laughs> look like Jim Morrison, though, right? I understand. Does, I mean that, but that's probably why people have that disconnect is because it. You know, it looks. He looks more similar to their normal rock star coverage. But the story is from the same angle, right? Which is from of all their boring stories. Which is here's a real news story that happened to do with culture and to a certain extent it's actually very smart for Rolling Stone to to present somebody who all, to all outward purposes looks like a normal kid slash rock star who we all know is not a normal kid slash rock star he's actually something allegedly much more dark and, and dangerous yeah and, I'm a and I think that's cool I think that's a cool editorial choice it, it, either it's totally unremarkable or it's kind of a cool editorial yeah, it's choice. a little subversive you know right yeah. For you know a magazine like Rolling Stone, right? That is you know, so for you guys. unsubversive. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So um, you started to mention before there was a little bit of a pushback uh, from this guy in Boston. Yeah. Well, so I want to hear about this. And he he wanted to make sure the real story was getting out there, which I thought was like an interesting kind of telling statement that he made to somebody. I forget who, but he uh, basically was explaining this tactical photographer or you know sergeant whatever. Right. Uh, he was the one who took basically all the photos as right. they chased down this story. And they're, and they're good photos. They I mean, they're great the photos, suspects. whatever that's worth. I mean, they're not, you know, the police aren't really interested in photojournalism or whatever. They're just trying to document it for evidence, right. I think. But still, I mean, they're, you know, he's a good photographer. What can yeah, I say? There so, ended up being some really great And he released these stuff. photos to Boston Magazine. Who knows why? And, uh, well, as far as why he chose Boston Magazine. But what he said was that he was trying to present this kind of counter message, you know, to Jokar Zarnayev. Sure. The you know the <laughs> the glamour star guy to Jokar Zarnayev, the killer bomber, Criminal, right? Right. Mass Hiding murderer. out in a boat covered in blood. Yeah. yeah. And there's some really striking photos of him with a uh, red laser point on his forehead. Yeah. Um, and we'll link to him in the the post on the story. What I what I thought was really interesting though again was the statement that this is the real story, and in his mind, you know, that the story isn't that you know this kid had had maybe complex uh, motivations or that there was a story that led to him to that point, but it's as simple as this is a bad man who did bad things, and that's what people need to know. And I don't know how much that helps anybody, right? Like, Yeah, I think I don't think it helps anybody. I mean, that's uh, he, in his position as a member of law enforcement, it is his job to find the people that he considers the criminals and then make them stop doing their crimes and submit them to the criminal justice system. So the complex narrative of, you know, like if he's chasing a bank robber down the street with a gun, he doesn't want to be like, though, maybe this bank robber had a bad childhood and maybe there are a lot of socioeconomic things in play in this story. Um, that's not part of the narrative that the cops should have. Um, but you know, uh, maybe it's not helpful to have the the cop impose the simple black and white, I just need to catch this guy and he's done something terrible and we need to stop him. It's maybe not helpful to have that narrative imposed on 
the more, I think, useful discussion of the more complicated social things and international yeah. politics. It, it is an interesting kind of um, injection, though, into the conversation, yeah. though. And that's, you know, a cool thing about the Internet is that it does present lots of different viewpoints to kind of mix around. It's a marketplace right. and people can, you know, buy and sell what they choose. And if people want to take a little bit of, you know, glamorous jarnarv with, you know... We're getting farther away from it. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the bloodied, you know, shot whatever yeah. criminals are now but i don't so. think <laughs> but i i think you know even the the rolling stone people would say the perfect way to look at our story is to compare those cop shots of you know uh bloody beaten hiding in a boat have having perpetrated this act it's important to juxtapose those with the photos of him with his friends and hanging out and the selfies because you and i have photos of us hanging out and each of us has taken selfies but then the later photos of us you know hiding out under a tarp with a red you know sharpshooter laser sight on our forehead uh those photos don't exist so that's what makes the story interesting is the later photos so in the end what this cop is actually doing is maybe making a stronger case for the the rolling stone article by juxtaposing the two things right. in a way that's very interesting. It's an me. interesting package for yeah. sure. So, yeah, so that's what happened this week on that story. Coming up next, we're going to do a throwback. We're going to talk about a, a more of a historical internet thing, uh, which we're going to try to do more of in the future. And uh, this time, our topic is going to be the Lonely Girl 15 YouTube series and everything that came after because which it's complicated. Apparently, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> we'll be back. Hey there, listeners. If you like what you hear on this podcast, check us out at enchantmentundersea.org. Yeah, we talk about the internet here on our podcast, but on enchantmentundersea.org, we like to uh, write about stuff like movies, books, music. So come join us over there, enchantmentundersea.org. Thanks. You're welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, continuing to listen through that break. And uh, we've returned now to resume talking again, right, Stephen? It's so punchy. I Thanks. don't know how you came up with I it. I know. It's so concise. It's ra- yeah, radio gold. <laughs> Cut, print. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Our next topic is Lonely Girl 15. So uh, before we get started, this is the first time we've done this. We're going to be presenting a story about the internet past and some of the things that influence the way the internet sort of works now and how people think about the internet now. And we're doing this because... Uh, there's not always going to be an interesting sort of newsy topic that relates to the internet. I mean, there's always a bunch of little things, but sometimes uh, the more uh, the more interesting thing to talk about with the internet is how we got to where we are, as opposed to sort of what's going on right now. Right. So we're going to intersperse that with our usual stories. So, Lonely Girl 15. For those who don't remember, Lonely yeah. Girl 15 uh, was a YouTube series in 2006. Um, YouTube was... Still pretty new. And it is interesting, too, that YouTube is still basically, I think, like the primary medium for internet videos, which is yeah. amazing in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff has come and gone since then, MySpace, mm-hmm. and uh, and other things besides that weren't lucky enough to be as much of a punchline as MySpace is now. Yeah. Built into this story is another platform called Bebo, and we'll talk more about it in a minute. But yeah, there, were, there are a lot of different platforms. Yeah, but anyway, so Lonely Girl 15 was ostensibly a normal 16-year-old girl who's posting stuff about boys and normal, boring stuff. And she was kind of cute and kind of nerdy, as you know, the summary video that I just watched reminded me. Yeah. And <laughs> But 
uh, at some point, so you the, know, the first thing that you see when you're delving into the Lonely Girl 15 world. So if this is if you were existing in 2006 and watching YouTube, all of a sudden rocketing to popularity uh, is it a video series of just a young 16 year old gal in her room talking to her camera. Well, I guess a video blog is about me. My name is Bree. I'm 16. Um, I don't really want to tell you where I live because you could like, stalk me. Well, what you need to know about my town is that it's really boring. Like, really boring. Really, really boring. Um, that's probably why I spend so much time on my computer. Hmm. I'm a dork. <laughs> um, that's the kind of thing YouTube is still doing. Um, but it was, it was actually pretty new and incredibly popular at the time. So that's how this story starts. It's just a young gal of 16 Talking posting videos stuff. on the internet. Yeah, uh, very normal. Mm-hmm. Um... But then things got weird in two different ways, both in the girl's life, quote unquote, uh, and also uh, uh, in the backstory of how this this girl came to be making real life. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, as you you started to say, things changed suddenly when people started discussing on, interestingly, on the Lonely Girl 15 forums, which is already telling, and I'll talk about that in a minute, uh, that, that maybe um, this, this girl was too interesting to be true. This, this young gal who was just so like sweet and innocent and pure and so interesting and so good at making videos was maybe a little bit too good to be true. And so some intrepid independent bloggers and journalists set up a sting operation to find out... Um, uh, who this who this gal Which was? Kind of reminds me of my sister when I when I was a little kid uh, decided one Christmas Eve to set up a uh, some fishing line connected to her spoon collection in front of her door to prove that Santa Claus wasn't real. <laughs> like you know, and and so I I put a stop to that. Let, let's just say I want I wanted the ruse to go on, and I, I'm not really sure who these people are and what motivates them. But that's there's always the person out there who wants to rip the curtain off, and you know I don't know. It's, wow. Sometimes it's, it's not the point. Wow, man, oh man. Uh, without getting too much into it, uh, incredulousness is an important part of existing in the world and especially on the internet. And it's an important part of the story, too. And, and certainly I think they, they probably thought people were going to do this and sort of were, were planning for it, right? Yeah, but more importantly, these are not people ripping the curtain off of a thing that's that's good. Uh, I'll talk more about it in a minute, but it's not that good. Uh, the only reason that Lonely Girl 15 is popular is not because it was such a compelling story about a young gal and her life. Uh, it's because it was a hoax. Uh, so anyway, so these, uh, these, these intrepid independent bloggers set up a, a, a scheme in which they emailed Lonely Girl, or private messaged Lonely Girl 15 through her, like, inbox on her computer, whatever, and, um, uh, and had a link to like, hey, check out my whatever. It's a promotional something something. And when you clicked on the link, it tracked the IP address of who clicked on the link. Then they traced the IP address back to, as it turns out, a casting agency in in uh, and and ad basically ad and casting agency. Yeah, in pretty California. big one too. I think one of the big name ones. Yeah. yeah, I don't really remember offhand, but yeah. So that that was the first uh, uh, crack in Oops. the whole 
facade. <laughs> um, while this is going on, interestingly, uh, this this girl Bree, uh, lonely girl fifteen, is interacting with other people. Right? She has her friend Daniel, who she she has her like on again, off again crush, like romance, whatever. With then there's another guy who starts making videos, and he gets involved in the story. There's another gal with an account somewhere else who ends up being another quirky, interesting young gal who just has such an interesting life. You know, all these little accounts start popping up and interacting with each other and as that's happening the whole thing crumbles and everybody realizes that all of it is fake she's an actress from i think new zealand um she soon after that got a part in a tv show called greek as a result of her her interactions with you know this whole series whatever but it just it all fell apart so quickly <laughs> that people were just like, oh, nope, all fake, all fake, all fake. So then... So that didn't end things. <laughs> it did for a lot of people, it I think. It did for, I think, a huge number of people, but enough people had become interested Myself in Myself included, story. by the way. Right, but not me. Enough people had become interested in the story, that uh, the story of how this thing was made and how it was interacting with the audience, that we kept watching, and they kept making stuff for four years. Four years worth that, that of content. That blows my mind. <laughs> and, you know, the, the uh, I'll just run down briefly what that means, right? Uh, Lonely Girl 15, the first about, I would say probably about uh, one quarter into what they would call the first season, before any of the stuff starts to get weird, people find out it's not real. But before that happened, this, this gal, Brie, had started making references to, like, Alistair Crowley, who's really into, like, occult and weird stuff, um, occult religions. What fresh-faced 16-year-old girl isn't, right? I know, seriously. <laughs> and she keeps talking about how her religion is very important to her and whatever. And so that all falls apart. Everybody knows it's fake. And the Aleister Crowley and religion stuff gets even bigger. And all of a sudden, she's like being pursued by a cult that wants to use her special blood for a ritual. Yeah, and it just gets bigger and bigger. And there's another gal who also has the special blood. And they're running across the country. And meanwhile, on Bebo, which was in Britain much more popular. There's this gal called Kate Modern, who's also uh, the con- starts slightly afterwards, so the controversy ends up not being as huge. But but she's another one of these sort of like pretending to be real fake profiles, and she's another one of these gals who has this special blood or whatever. And the two never talk to each other until much later in the series. So anyway, just things are popping up all over the world, just on different platforms of these people saturating their story across all media, and their story is really uninteresting. So these are smart people that have a really good eye for how they're going to do their marketing and how they're going to build this story and how to work cross-platform with just the most uninteresting story just blah 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 cult leaders and fake religions and like crappy sets i know and like you know like there's one point where um somebody just took a camera took some footage of a helicopter flying in the air and the voiceover is like oh my god they're coming for us the helicopter's coming for us right it's the kind of thing we did at summer camp when we were like you know seven years old to be like oh those sirens it's the cops coming for us let's keep playing our pretend or whatever right it's just so low budget and such a bad story and yet it was incredibly popular because of this hook this this uh this hoax hook that brought everybody in and this cross-platform pollination all over the place so i I don't know. It's just so interesting. That's the most interesting thing to me about it is the distance between the popularity of the thing and the quality of the thing. It's just so disproportionately popular for for the quality of it because the story was, as it turns out, so bad and the production values so bad well, and, and the, all that. The thing stuff. that engaged people in it is, is I think, uh, 
you know, a lot of people are on the internet looking for, uh, I don't know, social interaction and right. um, connections, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So if there's this girl that people like, right. that's pretty much all you really need to be to be popular on the internet. I mean, uh, to get huge, you know, it helps to be a hoax or to have a cat net or something like that. Yeah. But at least, <laughs> you know, just to get people to pay attention to you. Yeah. It's, you know, you um, uh, being pretty and um, kind of nerdy and all that stuff, you know, it was, was good enough for a lot of people. I it's think. it's also a, a, an earlier era in which the Manic Pixie Dream Girl was no not yet, you know. Uh, uh, the backlash. The backlash begun, hadn't really gotten hadn't as serious as it is now. Yeah. yeah. So a series that centers around basically a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, right? That's what she was. And so the whole internet fell madly in Manic Pixie love with her. And that's what started this whole thing. And also she was this pure young girl who like was so sweet and innocent. And like one of her early videos is about, you know, how gross kissing is, right? You know, but then it's also uh, her talking about she kissed a boy for the first time or whatever it is. I I didn't watch her trying to like get, you know, shoved into a car or anything like that except for the seven minute summary video that yeah. I watch but you know uh, as far as like her early stuff goes uh, I think it's at least it seems to me like it'd be pretty hard to act like you're not acting and to just kind of be sort yeah. of unpolished and shitty and stuff like that and I think she did an okay job at that right yeah I, it seems very natural but right. it's also suspiciously well produced right. right like I said before the fact that there was a forum set up where people could talk about her videos you know, uh, we don't even have a forum set up, and we're trying to promote I guess, our I podcast. I guess we should get a forum. No, forums People don't are... use forums anymore. No, yeah. no. <laughs> That's um, so 2006. Yeah, for real. Uh, but yeah, just the idea that she had, like, this channel, she had a logo, she had all these things that normal YouTubers wouldn't have. All these little things that show that she was, like, and her videos are really well edited and really, really fluent in the grammar of YouTube, of how people make YouTube videos, to the point that it was kind of unbelievable that a person, the first time they ever make a video, is gonna have like a montage set to set to music in the center of the video that's actually kind of fun to watch in the first thing this person ever made in 2006 as a 16 year old it's bonkers but those again to sort of summarize those people really understood the internet yes not so sure they understood storytelling exactly and that's that's what's that's the i think the best part about all of this is yeah it did run for another four years and the story got weirder and weirder and this gal who played brie moved on to acting and doing other stuff which she's i think utterly failed at she's not really been in anything um but all these other minor bit players are still in this we're still in this show for years and like they developed like a whole resistance and then there were new characters that came up and multiple series all running concurrently to each other on youtube of just the most uninteresting nothing there are enough people watching them for them to keep making them for four years again i really think it was because of this initial thing you become pot committed don't right? let go. yeah you become committed to something and you just don't give up on it you know we were talking about this earlier where you said something like you're reading a bad book yep and it sure sure is bad <laughs> for those uh who, who weren't privy to the conversation earlier uh, i.e everybody but me right exactly hunt, hunt for red october it's um yeah it's not great it's bland right it's kind of Pointless, it's bland, pointless, and also kind of uh, uh, disturbing. Yeah, but anyways. So bland and pointless. I'm going to focus on because that's Lonely Girl 15. The whole story series is bland and pointless. But also, people started on it, and it starts this ball rolling on the story, and you're kind of like, well, it's this thing. I'm involved with it. You know, I've c- basically culturally committed. Like, I want to have this in my cultural bank. But also, I'm kind of interested in how the story wraps up, and that just carries it through, and it develops, and all. Also, it's just so low 
cost that it probably doesn't take that many followers for them to keep it going. So as, as long as there are helicopters flying above, I think they can still in take shape. video of them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I do find that distance between um, uh, the quality and the popularity very interesting. I think the popularity is only because of how savvy these guys were of how to work the internet and make it work for them. But I'll, the most disconcerting thing as a result of my being, as you can tell, very obsessed with this for a very long time. I watched all these series. I read a lot of these articles. Um, the most disconcerting thing is, for instance, in uh, the second Batman, Chris Nolan Batman film, Dark Knight, one of the cops on the boat that they're going to blow up or maybe not blow up, one of those cops was one of the bad guys on the Lonely Girl 15 story. Weird. Yeah, just an extra. You know, he just basically got a role as an extra. And I know him as this guy who was like an antagonist for a while and like a creepy guy who worked for this weird cult. And here he is just as a cop, just like like nodding, you know, as somebody else is saying something like, we're not going to kill each other. And he's just like, yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's just there. It's just so strange. (laughs) It's so disconcerting to see these people just pop up in places. It's very strange. Um, There was another thing that that called the eye channel, which the premise was this guy had a camera that was following him and he couldn't get rid of it and no one else could see it. So it was live blogging his whole life, essentially. It was vlogging his whole life and none of his friends and family knew about it, but it was just getting posted to the internet. And uh, I loved it and I'll, you know, I'd I'd recommend it, but one of the actresses in it uh, stabs herself in the neck with a knitting needle at the end of End Night Shyamalan's The Happening. Mm. So just seeing these little internet people from like 2006 pop up in movies in like 2010 work their way through the extra system it's very disconcerting jarring yeah (laughs) so anyway um yeah so lonely girl 15 is really the first example of you know a viral uh youtube uh fake reality kind of series alternate reality widespread alternate reality series yeah set up to leverage being interactive and all the stuff that you know everything is now today basically yeah yep so there it is. Those are the good old days. Lonely Girl 15, mm. yeah. I, I don't, do you know of anything running now that's, that's uh, you know, similar to Lonely like Girl 15? web series specific? Yeah. Well, actually... There's got to be something. So that... there's this thing called the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which is actually a really... It's awesome. And it is a retelling of uh, Pride and Prejudice, but in the form of three, four, five different vloggers, video bloggers on YouTube doing vlogs about the things that are happening to them, you know? And so one of them is, you know, obviously Elizabeth Bennett, I think one of the main characters of Pride and Prejudice, talking about, like, you know, there's this new guy who moved into town, and I don't give a shit about him or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, and then the new guy who moved to town gets a YouTube channel, and it's it's so good. It's so good. Uh, nobody's pretending that it's real, but it is just such a, a modern, fresh retelling of Pride and Prejudice, and it's just really fun to watch. So Okay. Yeah. So, But that doesn't exist without Lonely Girl 15. I mean, that built the whole thing. And, and, and we should do a quick, quick plug, I think, before we uh, move on to the next thing of Tweet of the Living Dead, yes. which was uh, Stephen's brainchild and my, you know, I don't I kind of just jumped onto it at some point. I invited participants, yes. Why don't you tell us about it, Stephen? So uh, back when I was in law school, I decided that uh, Twitter was a great way to, and I think a lot of people realize this around the same time, a great way to present a fake character, a great way to create a personality, little snippets at a time. Um, But that personality also would create a way of telling a story in a way that hadn't been told before. So I decided it would be a good way to tell the story of the zombie apocalypse, told from a couple different perspectives. So... Uh, one of the perspectives was my my character, uh, Will Hinsman, uh, from Chicago, Illinois, and what happened in Chicago as the zombie apocalypse sort of went down. And then there was your character, Kevin you, Rhodes. You remember 
<laughs> you remember his name. God bless you, Stephen. I like listen. It's my it's my baby. I, I put guess. a lot of work into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't remember my children's name. I guess, uh. so. I guess I'm, I'm just a bad bad person. Oh uh, well. Anyway, but yeah, uh, he was. Uh, you know, he's from Columbus ish, and he's yeah. kind of you know just doing his thing. And, yeah, I think he's working at McDonald's, and then suddenly Slightly things took a terrible turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and and then there was like a a, a tea shop nerd uh, uh, person from from California, Elsie, played by a friend from high school. There was like a snarky uh, uh, New York dwelling blogger type who things get a little too real for him, played by a friend of the show, Ryan. Uh, it's, you know, it's just a lot of fun. And also my friend, uh, Hoodie from Canada, played yeah, well, Canadian dad. And it was just so much a fun. A structural problem with it is why are people, you know, tweeting when like everything's completely, it makes yeah. sense at first. And then the, the deeper in that you get, the, the harder it is to... So uh, we addressed that as much as we could by saying things like, you know, I'm only tweeting because I want people to know what happened. Or, you know, I'm so glad that the satellite internet's still working at the camper down there. Whatever. All these little expositional things that have to happen in a sci-fi story. Right. Lonely Girl 15 didn't cover any of those bases. Like, why are you running around with a camera all exactly. the time instead of helping your friends? If people are you shooting know? at you, why are you still pointing <laughs> a camera at them? Because it's not real if it's not on camera. Stephen. Yeah, it doesn't make if, any sense. If uh, Diary of the Dead taught us anything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Not recommended. Diary no, of the Dead. Uh, not at all. <laughs> so yeah. So, but um, as I said to Tobias before we started, the whole the whole idea of our tweet of the Living Dead, which I'll put a link to in the, the show notes. Um, the whole idea of it was very much influenced by Lonely Girl Fifteen and the idea that uh, people that aren't real can seem real. You know, like uh, if someone looked at just my Twitter feed, there's no way for them to know that I'm a real person. I could just be a, a creation. And it presented in these little slices on Twitter. And, you know, the, the, the only way of clearing up that sort of controversy is to say, no, he's a real person because here's also his Facebook. Here's some pictures of him doing whatever, X, Y, Z. And it gets more convincing that it's a real person. But you don't really need all that because even just the Twitter feed can be presented as a real person. So a fake Twitter feed can look as much like a real person as a real Twitter feed if you do it right. And that's what Lonely Girl 15 proved is that even a, a fake YouTube account, if presented in these snippets that look real enough, add up to a real person pretty readily in the minds of your 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 consuming audience. And if it had just been a better story, it would probably still be running today. And it would be not famous for being an internet hoax. It would be famous for being one of the most successful storytelling campaigns in the history of the you internet. You can't have it all, Stephen. No. No, you can't. But you, the listener, can have it all because next up is everything else you'd ever want from this podcast. Everything. Everything. I'm trying, man. Yeah, huh. Right after this. Huh? Would you like to hear your project talked about on our podcast? Well, we're looking for quote unquote advertisers. Yeah, we'll stick it right here in this spot. Whereas uh, instead of us talking now, we'll uh, feature your thing. Send us an email at staff at enchantmentunderthesea.org. Let us know. And your your product or your project might get featured here. Unless it's Cialis or... Or a Nigerian banker who has money stashed away. In that case, uh, you can call me personally at... <laughs> no. Not going to get my cell phone. <laughs> yeah, dot com. <laughs> it's not even a phone number. And now we have uh, returns to our podcast. Yep. In which we speak about things. And now we're going to speak about those things. Go. So, first we're going to do updates on some stuff that we've covered on the podcast before. First, on our update list, the, the Trayvon Martin-George Zimmerman verdict. So The verdict came down? Yes, and uh, George Zimmerman was found not guilty mm. of murder and, I think, manslaughter. Yes. Um, 
this doesn't change anything we've talked about on the show. Not uh, a bit. Uh, as we said, even in the last episode, the verdict doesn't matter as much. The outcome doesn't matter as much as the issues that need to be talked about as a result of the stuff that's happening in the country. So, But that's, that's our update on the facts of that story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's surprised me, I guess, um, how, how true it's been that, as we said before, that it at least op- provides an opportunity for people to be more honest about race, which is kind of hard to do, I think, in sort of normal life. But, uh, you know, right. people are on the Internet uh, kind of bridges some divides, which is a good thing, you know, despite the whole case being pretty crappy. Right. Sad. Even if it even if the conversation turns a little ugly sometimes, right. it's important that the conversation's happening. Yeah. So the next thing you had one about yeah, Charles Ramsey. Charles Ramsey is broke. I mean, he was already broke. That's right. why he was there. But um, he, his McDonald's. he had some short-lived success, and apparently um, he spoke with, I think, a British newspaper, maybe like the Daily Mail or something like that. I don't know. Maybe the Telegram. I mean, they all sound the same to me. But mm-hmm. he said, yeah, I've made $30,000, and now I don't have a place to live. And, you know, and then somebody else talked to him. He's like, oh, that's all not true. And that's, you know, whatever. It's, it's not really that important factually, but uh, we do uh, get a little bit of insight into the fact that he did manage to make some money off of his um, his Exploits. adventures, yeah. and now he's kind now of he's going gone. back to normal. So yeah. that's that's kind of the life cycle of these things. Yes, that's it, how it works. It happened. So. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, he could have made some money and then uh, been chewed up and destroyed because of the way he spent the money. I suppose, and had his life ruined by people responding negatively to it. So I don't think he's going to have that opportunity. No, so. I think it's probably already gone. So. Yeah, yeah. But you now he has some good stories, and you know, whatever. So he's he's certainly probably not that much worse for the wear. Yeah, he probably has a Wikipedia page. He's he's one up on you, Andrew Tobias. Yeah. And then uh, I guess <laughs> the final update is uh, Dr. Miller, who was a uh, commenter on an episode a few episodes ago, was just kind of talking about whether or not things on the internet are more likely to be believed, whether it, it lends sort of like a veneer of yeah. credibility just Basically, by being on the internet. Yeah, we, we had talked about how we think that in this era of checking things and people making sure things are true on the internet, uh, it's less likely that a fraud is going to sneak through. And Dr. Miller's... Uh, uh, suggestion was that uh, the idea that people believe that that's true, the idea that we all believe that other people are checking on it is going to make a things make it make it things more credible, make us believe things more readily because it's just it permeates the way we look at this stuff to think, well, obviously somebody would have checked this already. Um, and at the time, uh, I think we expressed more uh, reservation than was appropriate because uh, it turns out Dr. Miller is probably absolutely right that nowadays people are uh, just as easily fooled as they've always been. And it's at least partially because people think uh, if I'm seeing it now, it may as well. I mean, it must be true. I mean, yeah. I don't know why I would doubt I, it. I think so. the Internet can sl- slip one past the goalie uh, by sort of just depending on people being immediate and not really checking things out. Um, and I, I think eventually you'll kind of you know, as happened with me. And so let's get specific. Um, I was at work, you know, uh, and actually a journalism, a fairly prominent journalism blogger posted something like uh, basically a tweet to what was purporting to be a North Korean documentary that was leaked. uh, That was basically also a, uh, you know, so it's it's more interesting when you think about it as being like a real piece of propaganda that the North Korean government made. But just when you look at it through that lens, it was a fairly incisive, accurate, you know, on, in some ways, I mean, we'll play, we'll criticism. play a little clip from it. This is a film about psychological warfare. A specific type of warfare designed to distract, misinform. But trust me, trust me. 
and anesthetize the brain. And so it, it basically I, is just what you would imagine if the North Korean government put together like a magnum opus of anti-American propaganda. Right. This is what it would look and like. And I looked at it and said, you know, this might be fake, like, but it doesn't really matter. I'm watching it. And then something about it struck me and I'm like, to the Internet. And I posted it to my Facebook without really checking it out. Right. And then, you know. So I saw it on your Facebook and something about it struck me. And I thought to the Internet and researched it. Mm-hmm. And by following even just the links at the bottom of it, you know, just just following it a couple couple inches down. Uh, it turns out it, I was busy, Stephen. I know, but we can't be too busy, you know, because now this guy is getting all. Well, let me say what it was first, and then my my gripe. So uh, what it actually ended up being was just a guy from, I believe, also New Zealand, possibly mm. Australia. Yes, the New Zealand connection. They're taking over. <laughs> uh, Those crazy kiwis. Kiwis, yeah, that's what they are. So fuzzy, yeah, and yet so delicious. <laughs> So no, the, the bird, not the fruit. Oh, they're also fuzzy. I don't know if they're delicious. That's that's uh, willing to bet. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll research and to report the back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so it ended up being just this guy who uh, was certainly not uh, involved with North Korea in any way. Nope. Uh, who uh, wanted to make, I guess, a statement on propaganda or something uh, by making a fake propaganda film from North Korea about America. Him having no involvement with North Korea or America. Uh, so. There are sort of a couple different readings on this story, but at bottom what it is is um, when people look at it and say, wow, this is actually really incisive and and actually captures something true about America, um, that's only interesting if it's made by our enemies because we assume that they're going to be liars. But then when you look at just a regular filmmaker making this film, you don't assume a regular filmmaker is going to be a liar. So when you look at it from that perspective you actually end up seeing it less as a really incisive commentary on America and more like, this is just a wish list of if somebody wanted to make the shittiest portrayal of America, how would they portray it? And this is how. So I'm not one to say that, you know, anti-Americanism has no place in our art or something like that. But the way that this guy presented this whole thing has granted him access to all sorts of viewers and all sorts of publicity for a thing that in the end is maybe not that interesting and has more in common with loose change the 9-11 truth or documentary than it does with, uh, you know, why we fight. So, or even Bowling for does Columbine. It, does it have something know? in common with Lonely Girl 15? Yes, I think that's true. I think that's true. The the aura of authenticity uh, raises its popularity above where it quali- its quality would, would justify otherwise. So it's interesting. And but- I, I kind of like it more for that reason than you do, I think. Because yeah. I, I at least give it some points for, um, you know, tricking people and being an interesting commentary on... I don't know, that thing that we just talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I, I I get that. I think that Lonely Girl 15 is a more interesting example. Um, and I think there are other more interesting examples. But sure. I, I understand where you're coming from on All that. Right. The bottom line is, uh, as we were just discussing before we started recording this, Dr. Miller's uh, 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 approach where he thinks that the aura of authenticity on the internet is going to make it uh it's culturally embedded that we're more likely to believe this stuff because we think people are checking for it and eventually in people this era do, of transparency people do figure it out i mean i guess that's also an important but part it doesn't of this. matter in the end that's the thing it's been so immediate and this right. guy's ended up getting all these speaking gigs and and you know re-premieres this film came out a year ago and he's getting these new premieres all over the country because of this for a thing that maybe d- doesn't deserve all that attention because we were all too credulous <laughs> we didn't check before we gave this guy a bunch of free publicity so in this case it has not a it's not the worst possible thing that a guy gets a bunch of free publicity but 
there are going to be worse consequences in other instances for our our Milleritis, you know, I'm air quoting. If, if we may. Uh, yeah. <laughs> our, our tendency to to rely on our cultural instinct that the Internet vets stuff, um, you know, and if I see it on your wall, Andrew Tobias, I generally think that you've looked into it. <laughs> I need to stop believing that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will. I've learned a lesson. So. Yeah. So I'm not here to just make fun of you. I think it's just more we want to say that Dr. Miller was way more right than we gave him credit for at the time. And hopefully we'll have more to say about that topic and maybe even talk to Dr. Miller about it at some point in the future. So that brings us to the... Oh, uh, one last thing as as a pseudo update. Um, as, as one of the promos throughout the show says, we are looking for quote-unquote sponsors. And the reason it's in quotes uh, is because we're not necessarily looking for people to give us money to talk about their stuff, as sponsorship is usually thought of. We'd like to barter, though, right? Yeah. To, we would more like to highlight cool things that people are doing and hope that people, when we highlight their cool stuff, will highlight our cool stuff in return. So basically just, you know, uh, we're trying to use the internet the way it's meant to be used, which is make connections between people. And if you've got a cool thing that you want us to promote, we've got a thing that we think is cool, this podcast, that we'd like you to maybe consider. You don't have to think it's cool. Right. As much as... We'd like it. That's the ideal situation, is that it's just two cool things talking each other up. And that's the the way we want to do it. So if anybody has any pitches, anything like that, just let us know. Um, Or any feedback about our episode in general, just let us know. In all of the traditional ways, which include the Facebook page, the Tumblr, which we're most likely to see the forums yeah uh uh or uh email us at staff at enchantment under the org, or most simply uh, a comment on the post in which you probably saw this podcast in the first place link of the week andrew tobias yeah so my link of the week is a it's uh, a tweet of the week and i and i'm actually i'm going to share it sort of in the original context that i received it which i think kind of makes it funnier or whatever but mm-hmm. um so uh, i follow dan savage on twitter dan savage is a uh, sex columnist i guess at his most basic level he's also a social critic um, a political activist stuff like that you know he right. does some stuff he's famous on the internet and you know other things and he tweeted uh he actually retweeted a, a tweet from Geraldo, 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 Geraldo Rivera that he made at 2 a.m. last Gerald night. Rivers. Uh, so that would be uh, Saturday, whatever the date is. You know, I don't know. It doesn't matter. So, but it was two in the morning, and it was it was last night as of now. So it, this is uh, <laughs> so way longer than last night by the time you hear the podcast. Yeah, exactly. but at some point in the past, uh, <laughs> between last episode and this episode. Yeah, but. So it's a selfie and um, of, of of Geraldo. Uh, so Dan Savage's commentary was, "Well, I'm straight now." Um, <laughs> Dan Savage is gay, and um, the, the the picture is just Geraldo standing in front of his bathroom mirror, um, towel kind of pulled down a little bit. Uh, you know, and I think he says something like "70 is the new 50," like something like that. And it's it's not that interesting. It's funny, and I, and I think the thing that it does for me, anyways, is that. Uh, sometimes I, I know some people who think, what's the deal with Twitter? Why is it so great? And one of the things that Twitter does for me, which it can do anything for anybody based on who you follow, is that it gives you sort of a uh, a direct line to look at people that are famous. Right. And um, We talked about this with Amanda right. Bynes also. Yeah, and, and I'm not so much a consumer of celebrity gossip news because I would never really be interested in a tabloid, um, but I am kind of fascinated in... Um, the divide between kind of a media persona and like the real person and right. stuff like that and kind of what, what the impacts of that are. So in this case, Geraldo is doing something that 
I just uh, the reason I need to stop you. Yes, uh, is because you don't get to say I'm not interested in celebrity gossip and then say, but I am interested in, and then describe celebrity gossip with yeah, more words. I, I am interested in celebrity but gossip, but only more like than a I subset realize. of it. Right. And I think that uh, I think you recognize that, but I just wanted to put it out there. That's fine, but because <laughs> uh, I am too, right? I kind of care, you know, what drunk Dan Harmon says on his podcast, and that counts as celebrity gossip right. because it's fun to hear about to me. So, but in this case, the reason why I like it so much is that it's really not interesting. And it's, um, you know, kind of embarrassing and kind of banal and whatever. Uh, But it's it's Geraldo Rivera doing it, which, uh, you know, he does look good, man. Uh, yeah, he, it seventy looks like is a, looks the like new a model's body with a weird Geraldo Rivera head on top of yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a you know, science is an amazing <laughs> thing. So I like it. <laughs> cool. Uh, my link of the week uh, right now, as of this moment in San Diego, something gigantic is happening, and it happens every year, uh, and it's gotten more and more gigantic, and that is the San Diego Comic Con, comic book convention turned. Um, all things, genre, television, movies, nerd, everything, just all under one roof. And there's just too many people. It sells out too quickly. It's just such a mess of just too much stuff happening for me to really ever, A, uh, be able to attend or B, want to attend. Right. Um, there's so. a point where your you know your marginal enjoyment for doing more stuff just just drops off the table and yeah. I'm sure that would happen and pretty quickly. There are smaller cons that I would like to go to that are closer by just to have the taste of this. And so that brings me to my link of the week, which gives you a taste of what it's like to be <laughs> gross, to be in a room of people that all have at least a, a slightly similar nerd bent um, who have similar interests to you and are just as unembarrassed about enjoying those interests with each other. It's uh, it's refreshing. It's like being at a political rally, but without all the boring politics. You're all on the same page, and it doesn't doesn't have to be like deathly important and about abortion. It can be bronies or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, it know. doesn't it doesn't have to be. You know, it's 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 just really empowering and fun. And my link of the week is a video from a recent con of just cosplayers people dressed up like their favorite characters or versions of their favorite characters having a good time just pretending for just a few brief moments to be something that they think is cool and it's just so much fun you know i play D, so i know what it's like to want to just dive into a fantasy world um without judgment and just try something fun and interesting and this video captures that very well can't wait to watch it yeah it's good stuff so that brings us to the end of the show. Aw, so soon. I know. Well. Feels like only approximately 45 minutes well, ago. I, I swear it seemed more like <laughs> 43 minutes ago. <laughs> but the good the good news is that there will be more episodes. We'll be back. We'll be talking about more and more stuff. Hopefully we'll be uh, sharing some of the great feedback that you guys have offered, uh, you know, at the risk of sounding kind of desperate and lonely. We would like some. Um, we would love feedback. We always love feedback. Yeah, and actually, uh, off air, I, I kind of retold a story about when I was on college radio, and Stephen may or may not have been on college radio with me simultaneously that the story was taking place. <laughs> but I remember um, I, I had some concert tickets yeah. or something like that. And I said, caller number five can get free concert tickets. And then nobody called. And so I'm like, look, caller number one. <laughs> and I think some guy like was trying to order pizza and got the wrong number. No, that- actually, his exact words were, uh, did you call me? 
<laughs> and I'm like, no, I did not call you. And I think we were considering putting that guy on the air, but as soon as it, that it t- went down that road of him, like, I don't really know why I'm talking to you. But yeah, sure, I'll take a free concert right. ticket. <laughs> we're like, no, just give him away. Anyway, this is totally Let's different than that. We're, we've, <laughs> we've grown, and you know, things are just so much more important now. Well, um, the most important thing is the internet gives you so many easy ways to get in touch with us and let us know what you thought of all the stories we talked about today, or even now that we're doing sh- sort of throwback internet stories anything you're interested in or you some weird internet subculture you were a part of that you'd love to reminisce about uh we'd love to hear any of that so uh hopefully people will get in touch with us soon all right that brings us to the end of the show thanks very much for listening catch y'all later bye Hold On to Your Butts is a production of EnchantmentUnderTheSea.org. Your hosts were Stephen Goldmeyer and Andrew Tobias, editing by Stephen Goldmeyer. 